Hey everybody, this week we have a first actually. We are uh, covering an album we've already done before with somebody new. We like to get different perspectives. Some people are afraid um, to do albums that are, or they, they avoid really, uh, fear really doesn't enter into it at all. Um, uh, they avoid doing albums that have already been done before, but that's not really the point because each person to the person is going to have some different perspective on on an album and uh you know you you can really see how it influenced them and their comedy so uh graham elwood who is awesome great stand-up comedy film nerds podcast um and uh, did the film Afghanistan? came on and we talk about free to be you and me again it's a very weird thing a lot of people have brought it up this year and a lot of people have actually wanted to do it jeremy wants to do it so we may do it a third time i can't guarantee that uh, and if anybody's upset by the idea of doing it a third time let me know but i really think it'd be fun because you know jeremy's generally an awesome guy um i hope you enjoy this episode i did it was great uh, and also I think you should go to GrahamElwood.com because everything is there. So convenient. Just go there. All of his stuff, his podcast, Twitter, uh, his book too. He, we didn't even bring up the book, but there's a comedy film nerds book. Go there. And also if you would go to a, a drinking game on Facebook or a drinking game.com, but yeah, go to the drinking, a drinking game, not the drinking game, a drinking game on Facebook, like us and check us out in Top Gun in LA, February 16th, next stage theater. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week I have Graham Elwood with me. Thank you so much for being here. Sure thing, man. I appreciate it. Um, so you wanted to this uh, people whenever they do the podcast or want to do the podcast or when I ask them to, they say, "Have you already done this?" I don't want to do something somebody else has done, but I want to do that. So we're doing free to be you and me again, which is and there's a cat. Hello. So um, uh, enjoy uh, cat, cat really sweetheart. You know what? This this is uh this is fun. Hey Jen, you want to take the cat? Here you go. She's adorable, but. Yep. <laughs> yep. There we go. Oh, candid podcast moments that you don't get anywhere else. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. I see so, you have Jonah Ray's album here. I do. He came here and signed it for me. Nice. Did he do the show? Yeah. He talked about um, Emo Phillips. Oh, it wow. Was, it was a really good episode. It was a lot of fun. Emo Phillips, that's is very funny, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was nice having, uh, I don't, you know, nobody releases their stuff on vinyl anymore. Only two new releases on this show ever. Is that one and this Ernie Kovacs thing that just came out a few months ago? Oh, nice! It's awesome, amazing. Got to speak to his wife's son, and uh, it's very nice, very nice guy, very very cool. Um, anyway, sorry. So free to be you and me uh, would not have been what I would guess you you might pick, but uh, I'm, I'm curious what. Well, I think initially I wanted to do a Steve Martin album, but you said you've done those. Sure. Um, because the Steve Martin album. You know, my family would li- sit around and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Like old school. Mm-hmm. And I remember laughing about all that. So I didn't want, I mean, so if that's been covered. We've so th- done one. We did Let's Get Small. But we haven't done any of the other Steve Martin albums. Which actually. are? I ha- uh, Comedy is Not Pretty. Comedy is Not Pretty. And, and then there's. Shit. um. I should know this stuff better than I oh, do. I should know this too. I listen to all of them. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a two is it the two sides of, no no the Steve Martin Brothers is, is is that the name of the album there is an album where he plays the Steve Martin Brothers quote unquote God what is it oh this is dumb that I don't know all this I feel like an ass anyway 
but yeah. here's how I came to free to be you and me. Yeah, was so then that opened the doorway into my like childhood, mm-hmm. and that album. You know, as a kid in the '70s with hippie parents, that was like you. That was a that was sort of a must-have, I yeah. guess. That was sort of a a requirement if you were going to be a hippie parent, is to make your kids listen to that. Yeah, yeah. And Marlo Thomas, um, but most profoundly, I think, is it's all right to cry. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Rosie Greer at a bank in Santa Monica maybe three years ago. Uh huh. And I um, I mean, I almost went up and like, I'm sure I hug. I I wanted to go up and hug him, but I'm sure he's like sick of seeing like oh, another guy in his 30s who is like told it's okay to cry, you know. Yeah. So, but that's what I wanted to say because I remember that song like, uh, and the fact that he was this big tough football player. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, oh my god, he's a big football player because I remember. Free to be you and me, it's all right to cry. And the fact that some NFL guys, specifically Lynn Swan and a couple other receivers, studied ballet. Right, right. Like my mom and like older sisters, mm-hmm. you know, this is in the thick of 70s feminism. Mm-hmm. When I'd be like, I don't want to do dancing or whatever, that's girly. They'd be like, professional football players do it you know (laughs) and then being told by rosie greer that it is in fact all right to cry because it gets the sad out of you you know what it just might make you feel better (laughs) um those things highly impacted my life i bet i bet when did you first hear it then like how old were you do you know when you first listened to it probably four five six something like that that shit sticks with you then yeah it totally sticks with you wow and then um that was the song that stuck out the most. Mm-hmm. And then all of the other songs about acceptance. It's such a 70s song. Oh, the yeah. album cover. Oh, yeah. E- everything about it is not, is the 70s. But it's kind of like, as I look at a can of Billy Beer that you have <laughs> on your shelf, um, it's sort of to me like, it, it is the embodiment of everything the 60s and 70s was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. all of their good things. Sure, they made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like this is, you know, we're going to talk about getting along, mm-hmm. and it's okay to express your emotions. Right. Which, and if you think about it, it seems you know obviously we look back on it now, and it seems sort of ridiculous or whatever. Sure. But yeah. I, I like I talked to my my I have six nieces and nephews, and my uh-huh. brother has three kids, and he's told me on numerous occasions like, man, Graham, these kids shows now. They're so positive and supportive and uplifting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we watched the Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner and just like getting. Get the shit beat out of you. Yeah, you just wanted to fucking kick someone's ass (laughs) and thump them with a big hammer, you know, or blow them up. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and even some of those really early Bugs Bunny ones, some of them are really racist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he's like in blackface and yep. stuff i mean they're horrifying yeah, they don't release those anymore no they, it's weird but really they don't, those, those aren't out they're not it's very odd they're right? not on blu-ray <laughs> i would think that they would be um so to kind of put free to be you and me in its context yep. of the 70s now and that's kind of one of the many places that the 60s and 70s was was one of the things it was fighting in terms of its 
old way of thinking and and yeah. and you know counterculture whatever you have was this idea of men mm-hmm. you know suck it up mm-hmm. don't show your emotions yeah. i mean that's still today that's still very prevalent sure. today sure. but but back then for i mean you watch any of the TV shows, like the cop shows that I grew up watching, which yeah. inspired me to do the, that character, Kent Stryker, mm-hmm. that I did at the podcast festival, uh-huh. um, those guys, all those TV cops were tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them vets. Mm-hmm. None of them cried right. ever. Right. You know, They maybe would breathe heavy into sure. their whiskey mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? They never... They never just guys just didn't show their emotion so that that was sort of the 70s wanting to to say that that's okay and the whole um the diversity of that what that album was trying to embrace too mm-hmm. like that was the you know we're coming out of civil rights sure. we're coming out of the women's movement um and so it is and i remember that as a kid yeah I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a very liberal, uh, hippie college town, uh-huh. and um, and that diversity, and um, at its best, you know, the 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 most the the purest intention of the of the diversity is like mm-hmm. sort of what that album is to me is yeah. is is like we can all get along and and. Uh, you know, what's that one song where the one kid wants a doll? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He Little wants boy. a doll, and they're making fun of him yeah. or whatever. You know, and I guess that album's saying it's it's okay that your son's going to be gay. Right. So that's just okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's not a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, it also is, you see sort of the, kind of the, didn't think it throughness of the seventies. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like the okay, a kid wants a doll, and obviously, you know, if your young son wants to play with a doll, you know, I don't think you should like chastise him. Sure. Like, I don't want my kid turning out queer or whatever. Like, you don't right. want to do that. Right. But also, that the seventies of not like I, I'll go to um since I run a film podcast. Mm-hmm. There was a documentary that came out a year or two ago about a family that was raising chimpanzees. It was in the seventies. Uh-huh. And this documentary was looking at a document. It was a documentary that was done or a TV show. I think that was mm-hmm. done in the seventies, this family, the raising chimpanzees. Okay. And then this documentary today was sort of looking back from today. Oh, okay. And one of the interviews with the women uh, who was like a young girl at the time in the seventies, like we had a pet chimpanzee. And then the, Oh, isn't it cute and neat? We're living with the animals, mm-hmm. and it's the 70s, and everything's free and love. And then, you know, the chimpanzee starts becoming a big, strong primate yeah. and acting out, and <laughs> it's dangerous. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. It was the 70s. Oh, my God. Which, that quote from that interview, mm-hmm. which is in the trailer, and I forget the name of this. Um, somebody who listens to this, please email me this um, at, at Twitter or Facebook on, for, so I know what the name of this is. Mm-hmm. But that to me is sort of kind of what that album has in it yeah. is some of these songs where you're like, I know your heart was in the right place. <laughs> and it's sort of, I remember it's specifically to me, okay, I grew up, spent the first 11 years of my life in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. With hippie, my dad was a theater professor. Uh-huh. 
my mom, you know, did theater. That's where they met. And she mm-hmm. also did, you know, some, she was like a housewife and then started getting into, as I got older, cause I was the youngest mm-hmm. into like fundraising for non-for-profits, arts organizations. Okay. And you know, so it's me, my older brother, my two older sisters mm-hmm. and my brother and I weren't allowed to have toy guns. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I get. Yeah. But we're still boys. Sure. And we fought and wrestled and played every sport possible. Right. right. And, um, you know, and then we moved to Evanston, Illinois, uh-huh. which is a, a suburb of Chicago. Sure. It's where Northwestern University is. Yeah. And Evanston has been integrated since the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So it's 40% minority. Yeah. And Madison is a very much a white liberal town. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of white liberals who there's not a lot of practical application. <laughs> so then going to this school, you know, it's a suburban school, but it's kind of inner city. Yeah. And, you know, there's guys wanting to fight me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm mean, no fighting and hippie love and peace. And it's <laughs> like, kind of like, wasn't necessarily 100% prepared. I wasn't... Mm-hmm trained you know yeah and had hippie parents that just sort of like well whatever you want to do and it's like <laughs> okay but kids kind of need to be pushed yeah you yeah. know like um and my brother and i both got into sports and of course our parents were just like you know supportive sure but you know like i really want to do this well that sounds great <laughs> not like okay i'm gonna get you a camp and yep. in the off season you're going to a special you know, right Right. Like my brother, his oldest daughter is she's twelve, and she got a couple years ago started playing softball. Mm-hmm. You know, for a bunch of eight nine year old girls. Okay, it's fine. And then like age ten, mm-hmm. age eleven, it started to get more competitive. Yeah. And his daughter was like, "I want to get better at this," and he's like, "Okay." And he got her in like, she's an off season training. I yeah. I was there over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. She throws a thirty five mile an hour. Shit underhand fast pitch like a rifle a 12 year old girl but it's because she's like yeah and she 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 wanted to be more competitive so he got her in the um the traveling team Mm -hmm. and she was swimming in the winter and she's like quitting that and just focusing on like (laughs) my hippie parents you know (laughs) just they're supportive sure but not like not proactive. Not like, same. all right, you really want to do this? Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I had I said that with like dancing or singing, they probably would have gotten on board. Sure, sure. Because they were artsy people. Yeah. And just didn't. I think they were, I think my mom especially just had no experience with men or mm-hmm. boys. Okay. okay. No brothers. Yeah. Dad died when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. No, nothing. Had yeah. no idea. So then, you know, her daughters, she. You know, it was great having daughters and sure. girly and dress up and, yeah. and and dolls. And then my brother and I were just these <laughs> aggro, like we were aggressive boys, Holy like shit. fighty, aggressive, yeah. blow stuff up boys, <laughs> you know. And we kept being told, you know, in the sits of the 70s. So, like, the women's movement was great. Feminism, I'm all for it. Sure. The problem with the 70s feminism, it mm-hmm. never took the biology into account. Uh-huh. It took female biology into account. But mm-hmm. then, I, I mean, I just heard all this throughout the 70s. Oh, man, they're so aggressive and everything. Right, right, right. I have chemicals in my body that make me as such. Sure, sure, you know? sure. Like, it doesn't give me the right to be an asshole or go start fights. But when you have little boys... Yeah. Like, I remember my mom telling me... 
I was I had a I had a very bad temper as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd lose a game or whatever, and I'd like throw a fit, yeah. or, and she'd be like saying stuff like, and this ties into free to be you and me. Graham, you know, when you're angry, you just you it's okay to be angry. You just have to say, I'm angry. <laughs> oh, really? That's that's a young boy that's oh, just full of piss and vinegar. Oh, He's no. gonna stop yeah, right. <laughs> midway through uh tackle football and go, I'm angry. <laughs> These are my feelings. Like so seventies. Yeah. Like yeah. great idea. Mm-hmm. Great theory. Sure. But there's no fucking way. A boy as aggressive as my brother and I were. Uh-huh. And thank God we found football. Mm-hmm. Like, I, but I had to find it on my own. Yeah. Like, I found Pop Warner, you know, like, today, like, my nieces and nephews, again, they're all in sports. Mm-hmm. All the boys do martial arts. Huh. Like, it's nonstop, the stuff that they're in. That's funny. And my parents were just, like... Yay, good for you. That's wonderful. You know, like, why don't we do some arts and crafts? And it's like, only if I can blow it up and then fight somebody. Like, yeah. it, it was, I think, you know, I, I started studying martial arts a lot later in life. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I would have found it as a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, organized, like, playing football was great. Because mm-hmm. I definitely could get all that anger out. But that... Again, it's one of the reasons why I picked Free to Be You and Me, because I look at it just like, oh, you hippies are so cute. You guys are so adorable. You're so lovely. I love what you think and say. And, you know, it's so, it's like, um, like having gone overseas, right? Mm-hmm. And the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I get people being against them. Sure. I get that. I get that. I don't want to live in a... I'd like to live in a world without war. Of course. Totally would love to do that. Yeah. Um, but then I hear like... I, here's a great example. I'm in Santa Monica, you know, and this woman who, you know, just came from a yoga class and I'm sure has a coexist sticker on her car. <laughs> I'm positive of it. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, me and my friend were talking, she sort of got in the conversation and I said, well, you know, Hope, you know, she goes, you got to have more than hope. You got to do it. You got to, you got to visualize. And basically was saying all this like secret, the secret stuff, yeah, and, which yeah. is fine. Like sure. the secret, it's not the secret is, is nonsense. The overall concept of just be positive. Okay. That's great. Sure. Sure. Everyone, no one that's ever been highly successful did it by being like, oh, this will fucking never of course, work. Of course. You know, but all they're like, and she's talking about, you just got to be positive. And, and then, and I was talking with my buddy. I'm like. What the fuck does someone in a third world country say? <laughs> right. You know what? Hope might be the only thing they got because uh-huh. they're not having food or water that day. Right. And right. you with your $50 yoga mat, you know, getting in your $35,000 Volvo or your Prius or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's so... It's a little hard to self-actualize it, when you're starving. <laughs> yes, like. yes. Just put that energy out there. <laughs> okay, the Taliban's going to kill me because I'm a girl that's trying to get an education. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I would have these conversations with people mm-hmm. and not, I'm not, I'm not like crazy right wing and I'm, right. I'm, I'm definitely lean more left, but I'm definitely an independent, but like getting into that. And I would say, and I've had this conversation with my eldest sister, who's a yoga teacher. Uh-huh. She's very much of that <laughs> ilk, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I said, 
uh, one friend of mine who was in who was a ranger. He went to ranger. He was an airborne, uh-huh. and he provided security for a girls' school in Iraq. Holy shit! That had just been opened since we freed Iraq. Wow! And she just looked at me like she didn't know how to process that. Yeah, because I'm like. <sighs> What do you say to that? Right. Did we go over there for oil? Of course. Of course right. we did. Yes. Yeah. But Bush lied. Mm-hmm. We went over to Iraq specifically for oil. Mm-hmm. And we all drive cars. Mm-hmm. And we all have uh, computers and cell phones. Sure. I have an iPhone. I have a laptop. They're all powered. Mm-hmm. They all need to be charged up. Yep. Most of that is by coal or oil burning yep. power plants. Sure. You know, and if you want to say you want to get more into alternative energy, I'm all for that. But mm-hmm. there is a reality here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in Afghanistan, I went into a hospital and they're showing me photos of kids they had worked on. Yeah. And there was a bunch of girls they had to work on because the Taliban was shooting rockets at girls' schools. Holy shit. And I'm just like, and I remember saying this to my <sighs> sister and other like mm-hmm. diehard liberals. Mm-hmm. And and I was I would ask this question not to be a dick but to literally ask like and I'd say well, how do we deal with that Yeah, yeah, right. Free to be you and me style. <laughs> Let's all talk it out. <laughs> you know, like hey, right. why are you angry, Taliban? <laughs> like, let's just talk. Like, and I was like, you know, it's it's as I've said. Anytime, to, and I know I'm like making this conversation more about the Middle East than I am about this album. No, no, but, no, but it's it, okay. But it all relates. If you apply American logic mm-hmm. to the Middle East, yeah, be it conservative or American or or liberal, yeah, it's 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 not going to apply. Of course, it doesn't work. Of course, it doesn't work. And to me, like, free to be you and me is the is, and again, I think it's great. Like, I think it's great to. To teach, especially young boys, it's okay to cry. Sure. Because bottling that up isn't good. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Um, but there's so much stuff on those albums that I... That <laughs> it's one thing to teach a kid who's already westernized and has, you know, access and, and time to learn to be sensitive like we got, you know, we, we but if you're elsewhere where you're raised where that's just not even an issue. That's not an issue. They don't have time, you know. No, there's no time. Yeah. So, that's, like... I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Going back to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. it's the most heavily mined country in the world. Yeah, because of the Soviet invasion in the eighties. Mm-hmm. If a goat wanders into a minefield, mm-hmm. a goat is a extremely valuable um, piece of livestock. Yeah, because of the milk that mm-hmm. you get from. I mean, it's it's really sure. You can feed your whole family. It's a big deal. So mm-hmm. if you lose a goat, it's huge. Mm-hmm. The dad can't go out in the minefield because if he blows up, there's no money. Mm-hmm. They all starve and die. Right. The uh, They're not going to let the mom, just the women aren't going to do that. Right. The boys can't mm-hmm. because they're the next in line. Yeah. So they... Because of the economics and the culture, yeah. they have to send little girls out into the minefields to get the goat. Holy shit. Bah. There is no aspect of mm-hmm. any type of American culture Mm-mm. that has an equation that Mm-mm. that fits into. No, you can't process that. I can't process that right now. Make that decision. Right. We can't even... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
I mean, we there's no, how so how do we even address that? You know right. what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. And and again, it's it's like we're privileged enough, like you say, mm-hmm. to be able to teach young kids and young boys and young girls to be sensitive and mm-hmm. express your feelings because they don't have to. Like I remember reading something about child labor. And yeah, everyone in this country gets mad child labor is wrong, of course. Sure. But what do you do in a third world country where the dad dies, mm-hmm. the mom is too hurt or injured to work or something like that. Sure. So the only one to work is the 10-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And there's no social services, there's no food stamps, there's right. none of that, none of it. Mm-hmm. He's got to work mm-hmm. to feed his younger brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's awful. Of course. Of course. But like, we got to shut that factory down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Those kids starve. I mean, right. like, and right. I'm, not, I'm not saying, oh, no, yay, no, no, of child labor. Right, you know of course, I mean? of course not. <laughs> but, but, but how do you deal with the yeah. realities of that Mm-mm. situation? Mm-mm. And. Listen to happy music. You listen to Free to Be You and Me. It's <laughs> my only option. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, my my nieces came to visit me two summers ago to, I, for surf camp. I had uh-huh. I my idea, like come for surf camp, and it was it was such a blast. Mm-hmm. And they're they're at the time they were twelve and eleven, and they're you know the twelve year old girls. Like, oh my God. you know what I mean? Whatever they're being twelve year old American girls, which is fine. And you know a couple times we were you know we were like sitting at the beach, and I started telling them about again being in Afghanistan, which has clearly impacted my life very deeply. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, of there's a lot of orphans in that country Mm -hmm. and feeding them food through barbed wire Mm -hmm. like it's there's a little there's a little clip of it in um in my film afghanistan yeah uh because the first time i'm terrified i don't want to go up to the barbed wire fence and at at the end of the trip we were feeding them at this base jalalabad Mm -hmm. and that's how these kids eat yeah yeah is me handing a granola bar and a bottled water through razor wire. Yeah. And I'm explaining that to my 12-year-old nieces and they're like And I said little girls your age they can't go they the Taliban doesn't want them to learn mm-hmm. and when they get to be past a certain age they have to wear a burqa mm-hmm. and you know Yeah. And so what I think free to be you and me is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I would like to see here's what I think mm-hmm. America needs to do. I think every they need to instill like not a, just a military draft, but everyone needs to do two years of service. Mm-hmm. You want to go into the armed forces great, sure. You can do Peace Corps if you want. Mm-hmm. You can do AmeriCorps. Mm-hmm. You can do like, you know, Habitat for Humanity or sure. something. But that's your job yeah, yeah, for yeah. two years, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it would change the fabric of this country. Oh, there's no doubt. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that to me is uh why free me and me was a great attempt 35 years ago mm-hmm. or whatever did it influence your comedy at all though um yes yeah in terms of well the seven i mean yes yes it did because because um i wrestle with that the um how do i be more clear i wrestle with the 
the optimist. Like I want, I want the optimist in me wants that. Sure. I want that type of a world. Mm-hmm. I want to live in a world without war. I want to live in a world where we all hug and kiss and get along mm-hmm. and sing songs and stuff like sure, that. Sure, of course. You know? So it influenced me in that. And and also, there's so much of that that I do make fun of some of that. Like mm-hmm. hippie, sure. lovey stuff. Sure. And I did a show up in, in Mill Valley in October. Mm-hmm. Very liberal town, uh-huh. you know? And I I did 15, 20 minutes on, you know, Indian dream catchers and organic food mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and they went nuts, you know. And oh, yeah. and my buddy who booked the show, um, Mark Pitta, is a very funny comic. He was like, dude, you knew all that. I go, I grew up in this. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Madison mm-hmm. and I listened to Free to Be You and Me. Yeah. You know, which was so, so liberal, so hippie. So it is it has influenced me. Like... Um, I did a thing, I think on my first album, uh, I think it was, yeah, Comedians Got a Boo Boo on, um, uh, it doesn't matter what type of music is being played in any sort of outdoor concert, always to the side of the stage is a hippie chick dancing alone. And that's from, I mean, yeah, you could say Free to Be You and Me sort of influenced that. Sure. And then just growing up in that era, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it influenced me. In terms of, I mean, honestly, Rosie Greer influenced me. I mean, he sort of showed me that you can be tough and sensitive. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you can be this this badass. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a, dude. Yeah. He was a vicious defensive lineman, you mm-hmm. know, and could be in touch with your feelings and express them. And sort of ta- taught me that, um, and also, like, if you want to be an artist, you have to be willing to show sides of yourself, all sides of yourself, sure. even sides that maybe are, you're not comfortable showing initially. Mm-hmm. So, so like, yeah, that influenced me a lot. That, that whole that album and that whole era. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in Marlo Thomas, I used to watch that girl. Sure, sure. And reruns and stuff because it was revolutionary. That's the other thing too. Like that was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Mary Tyler Moore show was very yep. revolutionary. Um, and the comedy from those influenced me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the comedy, uh, that, I mean, you know, and even in that album, like the songs did have a silliness to them. Like they, mm. they, it, they, they, it was as a, it was as self-aware as you could be. Right. For the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that that self awareness has has influenced me. I think I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like in 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 Afghanistan, where I'm just so much of the film is me just talking to the camera. Uh-huh. I'm talking to the camera, and I'm I'm getting all mad, and then I catch myself like, oh, you whiny fucking civilian! <laughs> like you're here for two weeks. Yeah. These guys have signed up for twelve month deployments. They're yeah. getting shot at, and mm. the Afghani's have it ten times harder than them. Right. Um, which is something like so many of the military would always point out. They're like we don't have it nearly as tough as they do. Like yeah. everyone was always. So yeah, I think that's influenced me. I, I'm giving very long answers. To no, no, no. It's fine. Do you ever, and I, I'm going to sidetrack for a second. Do you get shit for your, uh, maybe not your experience, but your opinions like in the comedy world, do you ever get shit for it? What do you I mean, mean? Cause you're not obviously again, like you said, you're, you're not a, you're not a crazy right wing guy. You, you're very just left of center. Do you, do you, do you get shit for being strongly opinionated? In in a different way, I think than than you hear. 
most comedians oh, hate. Oh, you mean because I'm not super left? Right. Right. Um yeah. Yeah, but it's I think it's I think it's Yeah, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because it's it's and and I try I really try not to come in with a um I always just try to when when people come in with a with this this and this like mm-hmm. I was talking with someone um a bunch of us were talking on the flying back from uh the Bridgetown Comedy Festival last year. Uh-huh. And you know, they were like, what are we doing? We got to get out of Afghanistan. What are we doing there? And I was like, well, we are coming out in 2014. Yeah. Right. The president said we're pulling out in 2014. Well, we got to get out now. And I'm like, I would just say and I try not to get emotional about it and mm-hmm. and not just because I'm going on there doesn't mean I'm some expert. Right. I just I've I've gotten to talk to commanding officers sure. and you see it firsthand. Sure. And you talk to soldiers and Marines and stuff and you you get a better sense than it's what you're getting on the news. Called perspective. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So um uh, and and they were like we got to pull out. And I said, "We'll be out in 2014." Well, that's not soon enough. I said, what do you expect? Do you expect you're going to take 100,000 people and all the equipment and everything and just yeah. yank them out of there? Right, right. In this country that's been at war for 40 years? Yeah. A tribal country? Like, what, what that's corrupt and mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You know, like, you just can't, you just can't just get out, get out, because it sounds good on a campaign slogan. Right. And I think, like, um, I sort of, I mean, maybe, maybe I haven't taken like, oh, Graham, you're full of shit. At least maybe they're not saying that to my face. <laughs> maybe after I leave, they're like, wow, he's off his mind or they brainwashed him over there or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I just try to like, because it's just, you can't, uh, Colin Powell said it. Mm-hmm. The Middle East is the most complex geopolitical landscape in the history of the world. Yeah. So any sort of like, Right or left wing, like bumper sticker slogan, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, you know, the get her done. No, <laughs> that's not going to work. Or just get, pull everyone out. Well, there's a huge house of cards there. Mm-hmm. Like, we we did that. We all just left after the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, we were supplying mm-hmm. the Mujahideen or Mujahideen or however we pronounce that. Mm-hmm. And then we just split. Yeah. We stopped supporting them. And Oh, they became the Taliban. Like, right. I mean, our our lineage in the Middle East is a joke. Sure. And we're all a little culpable, and people don't want to hear that. No. When I say we're all culpable. Right. They go, what? I go, I go. I didn't vote for Bush. Mm-hmm. I, if you would have put a gun to my head and told me to vote for him, I, I would have said, pull the trigger. I'll see you in hell. Yeah. But I'm not shocked Sure. that the leader of 300 million oil addicts went, mm-hmm. we got to get some oil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all. I mean, I was at a dinner party and someone was like, "Oh, he just went over there for oil." I go, "Yeah," and I said, "Did any of us here ride our bikes to this dinner party?" I didn't. Right. Yeah. You know, not throw myself into it, like, mm-hmm. and people don't want to. They don't necessarily want to hear that. But. Right. Right. Do you? Um, you were talking earlier about sitting around with your whole family listening to Steve Martin, which is very cool. It's one of the things we like to talk about. I like to talk about on this show with people is like communal comedy, like sharing it, either mm-hmm. making friends over it or getting closer to your family or whatever. Did you have any experience with like that with this or any other albums? Like, yeah, we would listen to this. Um, we would sit around and listen to comedy albums. Mm-hmm. 
Bill Cosby, Steve Martin, and we would listen to this. And this was played awesome. in classrooms a lot. This free to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was played in cl- a lot I of bet. classrooms. So that that was. I have distinct memories of, um, you know, like Christmas or Thanksgiving, we'd get together with a bunch of different families mm-hmm. and all had kids around the same age and we'd all sit around and listen to this. That's so cool. I remember, I mean, I remember <laughs> Steve Martin like doing the, um, you know, opening it up with the, the plumber joke yeah. <laughs> about the wrench or whatever. Uh-huh. I remember that. I remember, um, mind if I smoke mind if I fart like I remember that and just like my whole family laughing we all knew the jokes were coming because we heard it a bunch of times I remember that distinctly like and that kind of is what was one of the motivations for doing the the LA podcast festival because listening to podcasts is usually a very individual thing yeah most most people although I do hear some couples that come up to me up the road and they're like oh my god my wife and I like one couple is like Sunday is when we clean the house and we turn on podcasts and we yeah. clean the house. Yeah, that's one of the things she and I connected over was a podcast. So. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so so totally get it. I've met a lot of couples who've connected, which is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. But most people listen to them alone at work. At yeah. work, mm-hmm. exactly, or commuting mm-hmm. or working out or something like that. So, like one of the reasons, one of the things I want to do because I'd met all these people on the road who come up to me and say, "Oh, I love comedy film nerds," or "I heard you on Never Not Funny" or mm-hmm. whatever, and and this is what we wanted to do. And this was one of the coolest things I heard from all of the fans after the first year was mm-hmm. it was so great being in a place where I didn't have to explain what a podcast was. <laughs> right. Because, well, I mean, every day, dude, right? Oh, yes. So what is it? It's a radio show? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can download it. So what time is it on? <laughs> uh, whenever you want. It's whenever you want to listen to it. So, um, yeah, that's what we wanted to do with the podcast festival because I remember – I remember that as a kid listening yeah. to albums and then like, you know, doing Doug, going out and doing shows with Doug Benson mm-hmm. and the Doug Love movie fans, they all come out and, oh, yeah. and, and his show is a live show. So it is sort of a communal experience. Sure. Um, and uh, I like kind of recreating that. Yeah, I can see that. Did, um, do you remember what, I mean, when did you first start realizing you were funny or that you wanted to do something with being funny? Well, like I said, I'm the youngest of four mm-hmm. with theater parents. So to get the center of attention, you mm-hmm. had to be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. you had to really be good. That makes sense. So we were always performing and doing plays and shows mm-hmm. and, and you know, being the youngest. And um, so I just kind of knew that I could do that. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was a freshman in college that I really went. I sort of resisted it in high school. Mm-hmm. Sort of just like, whatever, teenage rebellion. Like, I'm not going to do what dad did, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to play football and become a stockbroker or something like that. <laughs> you know, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But um, so I was in college and there was a stand up comedy competition that was coming through. Um, I went to University of Arizona in Tucson. Oh, okay. And it was the U.S. College Comedy Competition, and I signed up for it, and it was emceed by Judd Apatow. Shit, nice. Who was wearing acid wash jeans and he had a mullet? <laughs> yeah, he had a mullet. Oh, that's uh, good stuff. I think it's the clip is on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Um, so that's when I when I did that, I was like, okay, and I changed my major from economics to film. Yeah. 
and that was sort of that was it yeah then i you know i did stand up in in tucson i did open mics at last comedy club and i did shows around campus mm-hmm. and i got to open for Polly shore and carol nice. leifer and paul riser jesus it was awesome. Like That's insane. I got to open for them in college. It was like wow, in, in like theater gigs. Like, yeah, it was. That was that was cool. Yeah, and that was kind of a big deal. And so. Um, yeah, that's when I knew it was college. So I st- first time I was performed, I was eighteen. First time I was ever on a stage, I was four. Shit. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sort of... you hear a lot of stories like that. Like guys like Simon Pegg has a whole lot of a whole. I, he's like my hero, so I don't stop talking about him. But like <laughs> same kind of stories, like kind of born on the stage, which you don't hear about as much anymore. Uh, I feel like you know if if you ever read Chaplin's biography, that like that's the most tragic thing in the world. But you know, being put on the stage when you're practically a fucking newborn, you know, one of my favorite stories <laughs> ever. But um, do you? I feel like your energy from did did you get do you get your energy on stage from having that experience in theater? I'm just curious because not as many people are as energetic on stage as you are. You've got, you've got like like a lot of people don't have that. Like if if I'm going to compare two comics, compare you and Doug Benson. Like he's you're just diametric opposites energy wise. I feel like. Well, I think it's I've always had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I'm an I just have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean. Like, when I was married, you know, my wife was, like, I don't know, 12, 13 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I would wake up every morning, like, let's go. And she'd mm-hmm. be like, I want to sleep in. I'm like, let's do it. You know, like, I have always been that. Yeah. I, I'm really energetic. It's why I had to play sports. Like, I, I okay. just, I just, I, I, when I wasn't, it was just, it was just too much trouble to get into. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I've I've always had a lot of energy, and I think it was just sort of cultivated and focused on stage. Yeah. Do you? I mean, because I I feel like when I when I hear about stand ups talking about how they got started, it doesn't always start with a theater background, though. I mean, did did that help you just being comfortable on stage? Is that it? Yeah. 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 I think just oh, just always performing. I think just like and having parents that were performers it was always encouraged it was never like oh you got to get sure. a real job sure sure like film was not a real degree get right. a real like i right. never heard that mm-hmm. so i was i never even the idea that i shouldn't do it mm-hmm. like wasn't really there i mean there were definitely times when i'd be struggling for money and think oh man maybe i should get a regular job sure. but like there was never any pressure for that yeah yeah. Like there was never any like you got to get a good job, you got to settle down, you got to get married, you right. got to cut the horse and around, like none of that. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean that's yeah, I, I guess that that would add to, to to somebody's level of commitment to have that constantly. You're never coming back to to a phone call that says, "Well, uh, you know." It was funny. Stop? When I did get married and I first got married and like I my money I had some financial trouble, my money was tight. And mm-hmm. I remember like all my mom and dad and stepmom even all kind of hinted at because I was it was a woman from another country, so mm-hmm. I had to support her and um uh and they were all like, Okay, if you're gonna support somebody, like yeah. what are you gonna do here? And yeah. and I was having and I wasn't working getting much work and mm-hmm. like uh, the game show stuff had ended and no one was making game shows anymore and I couldn't get an agent for any... Re- even though I studied Meisner for 10 years and was like... Yeah. 
I was like, uh, sitcoms, hi, comedy movies, hello. Right. No, I couldn't get agents or managers to even consider me in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really difficult time financially. And and they that was the first and only time they all kind of was like were like, maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's time to you know maybe Peter Pan days are over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was just like. What? Like, this is who I am. Yeah. It's like what Joan Rivers said in the Louis C.K. show. She said, being a comic isn't a profession. It's a calling. Yeah. This yeah. Is, it's, it's, it's not a, you don't pick this job. Yeah. It's a, it's who you, you have to do it. It's a, it, you, there's no other choice. Right. And then, so that was like 2007-ish when I started to hear that from my folks and I was like getting ready to get married and was having money trouble and which... Maybe I shouldn't have gotten married, um, <laughs> as the divorce would later prove to be correct. Um, and uh, so, and then I then Doug was like, right at that time, he was really on the rise, and he was like, "Do you want to go open for me?" Like, yeah. He goes, "I know you're kind of a headliner. I don't want to insult you." And I was like, "I don't give a shit. I need to work." Right. So, and then I remember, like. A couple years later, like maybe 2010 or something, and I'd been on the road with Doug like for two years straight. Yeah. And my dad saw me perform, I can't remember where, it might have been the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Uh like a 700-seat theater. Yeah. And he came up to me afterwards and he goes, you're at the top of your game. That's awesome. He's like... What you it's it's amazing what you're doing. You're at the top of your game. No, it was in it was at Caroline's in in New oh, York. Oh shit! Yeah, so I was playing on Broadway, and he and that's a big you know my dad's a theater guy. Yeah. He's like, son, you're on Broadway. I go, dad, it's just a comedy club. He goes, it's a comedy club on Broadway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay, I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. And uh, he goes, you are at the top of your game, and he just said, you know, and I just saw it in his face. He was just like go i yeah. got it you, you, you this is it this That's is so cool. this, you've been doing this your whole entire and i'm like yeah i've been doing this my entire adult life yeah yeah i don't know anything else right so it has to work <laughs> do uh, out of curiosity so seriously go to uh, grandma.com and buy my cd anyway <laughs> do do i can't imagine you do but as stand-ups that are traveling together is there much communal comedy outside of just fucking around with each other and making fun of each other? Do you listen to anything or like, is that just, it's interesting that you say that. Um, yes. I mean, there's obviously a lot of just, we just fuck around mm-hmm. and you know, Doug and I we're like an old married couple now the way we travel. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> there's, we've, we have in rental cars that have XM. Mm-hmm. We'll listen to the comedy channel. Oh, okay. We've done that. Not all, we don't do it like all the time, but we'll yeah. do that. And we're like, Oh shit, this guy's actor. I haven't heard this guy's CD. Or, yeah. Um, because a lot of it is, I'm on the road so much, I'm not watching Comedy Central. I'm not sure. watching people's specials. Sure. Like, so I'm not kind of, I, I want to, and I don't get to see my friends perform as much. Yeah. So that's been kind of cool. And like, if we definitely, like, we do these 420 shows on a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon or something at a club, and they're like, oh, a friend we know. Like, one time we were at the Pittsburgh Improv. We did a 420 show and Eddie Ift was doing the 8 o'clock okay. show and mm-hmm. we went and saw that or, or – um, uh, God, I forget his name. He wrote for um, – oh, this is the worst. <laughs> Kevin. Oh, God, he wrote for uh, Dave Chappelle. God, is he funny. I'm blanking on his name. We, <laughs> we're in Charlotte. Oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> Kevin um, 
I'll put some hold music over there. Good Christ. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so yes, we will then go, oh, let's go check that guy's set out. Okay. You know, like we'll, yeah. we want to go watch um, guys because I just don't get to see as much. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably about as communal as Doug and I get with that. Is there? Uh, I've I don't remember where I heard it the other day. It was probably on another podcast where where some stand. Oh, it was Aziz Ansari talking about how he doesn't really watch much. I I could be misquoting. It might have been another stand up. Fuck that. So just just uh, wipe that off the board. Some stand up talking about how they don't watch comedy. Not necessarily they don't listen to stand up, but they don't watch anything when they're watching TV or movies. They'd rather watch drama because it just doesn't. It was Dimitri Martin. Doesn't really satisfy them. Do you ever find that? But yes. the thing is, I mean, I know you're a film guy, so it's different for you. Probably. Yeah, it is different for me, but but it is harder for me to watch a comedy film mm-hmm. because it's I'm so critical of it, mm-hmm. and I also just like again, like like kind of what Dimitri said. I I, I do like. I mean, all the shows I watch, mm-hmm. Mad Men, Justified, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I watch Thirty Rock on occasion because mm-hmm. it's on. United planes, yeah. I fly United, yeah. and it's hilarious. Sure, The Office is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, in Parks and Rec is very funny. Yeah, but am I gonna like sit down and watch it every week or get mm-hmm. it on Netflix and burn through a season of, of DVDs right. in four days? No. Yeah, it's hard. It's just because I'm just watching it. So I mean, I watch all movies very critically, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's easier for me to get sort of drawn in. To a drama, yeah. Because a comedy, I'm just like, well, he could have done a better joke, or sure, sure, sure. There is that, yeah. Um, and the comedy, the mainstream, big budget comedy movies, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Paul Rudd, I got it, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm keenly aware he's a comedic actor, <laughs> you know. And I think he's funny. I've even met him. He's a nice guy. But does he have to be in every single comedy <laughs> film? Do we have to put the same four guys in everything? I mean, all right. Those are the only people that are funny out there. Like, I, I just I – mean, and, yeah. and I'm sure Hollywood's got some. Well, these guys can open a, a right. opening weekend. Right. And this is where you're wrong, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. A funny trailer will open a movie. Sure. Especially now, in mm-hmm. this social media day and age. Mm-hmm. You remember when The Hangover came out? Oh, yeah. None of those guys were famous. Mm-mm. None of them. Mm-mm. And that movie had a hilarious trailer, mm-hmm. and then it, it had a great opening weekend, but it did better in its second and third and fourth weekends because of word of mouth. Sure. Because the word got out. Everyone was on. I mean, by Friday night, mm-hmm. Twitter's going to let you know yeah, if yeah, a yeah. movie was good or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if a movie's awesome and people start hearing, oh, my friend said it was funny. I saw a post on Facebook that said it was mm-hmm. funny and Twitter was funny. Oh, man, this movie's going to – I'm going to go check this out. Yeah. So they need to, like, get some new blood out there because yeah. I, I just can't watch Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston or whatever. I just can't – I can't I can't do it. You know, and I used yeah. to really like him. Sure, sure. But I just can't watch him doing the same thing, doing the same thing all the time. I yeah. just like shake it up. <laughs> I um okay. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure. I don't want to keep you too long. But um, we we always ask. Well, I always ask people. That is, um, first of all, do you do you miss buying albums and holding them in your hand, or does it matter to you since you're an on the road guy and probably am. You know, I did used to like the physical CD. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that does like the physical CD. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I am on the road, and I have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. 
and like I do like the aspect. I mean, like I liked going to record stores and buying the sure. CD and picking it up and holding it, looking at the album art. I really like that. Yeah. I still kind of like that, even though there's you know there's four record stores left right. in the whole world. Yep. But it is cool now. Like we were working at this comedy club in Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm-hmm. and the show was over and everything. We're just the staff is cleaning up, and there was this cool like hip hop playing. I'm like, who's that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, I don't know. And then I, so I did the, whatever the, what's it, Shazam or whatever that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listens to it and tells mm-hmm. you what it is, and I'm like, oh, it's this band. It's this band called Soul Position. Uh huh. Went to iTunes and bought it right there. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm listening to it on the plane the next day. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. Right. That I dig. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There is a part of me that does like the physical album. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, you know, obviously everything's going digital and sure. to be able to just, to just download like that and to have it immediate access is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. If you're if you were gonna recommend this album to people to listen to it, what what would be your instinct? Why would you say to give this thing a listen? Free to be you and me. Yeah. If you've never heard it, uh, first of all, it's funny. Some of the songs are actually funny, mm-hmm. but then a lot of them are very sort of ironically funny. Sure. And so you're getting both. Mm-hmm. You're getting to hear. Like there's moments in that when you listen to this album, you're going to be like, "Oh my god, what a bunch of lunatics in the '70s!" Yeah. And then there's going to be moments you're going to go, "Oh, that was kind of cool," yeah. or that was like, if you're a girl, you're going to listen to it, and you're going to, "Oh, you're going to do that a couple of times." <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, it's, it's such a window into a specific time in America. Yeah. So that's cool. And then if you don't know who Rosie Greer is, Google him. Mm-hmm. He's this big black dude who was an NFL defensive lineman in the 70s. And look at that picture while you listen to the song. And look at that picture. Like, get some Google. Go to some. I'm sure he's on Wikipedia or yeah. whatever. Uh, and he was. He did, he did a lot of on-camera stuff, too. Mm-hmm. He was in a lot of TV shows. Yeah. So watch him. Like, look at pictures of that. And then listen to him tell you it's all right to cry. That song will make you cry. Oh, yeah. It'll oh, make yeah. you cry. Oh, yeah. So that alone is worth it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I made the mis- mistake the first time I listened to this on the way to the first podcast I ever did about it. To li- I was listening to it on the way there, and it's like so it's very emotional. And I'm driving, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a pussy. So I'm yeah. like listening to this. I'm like, God, oh, it's so sweet. It like, is, fuck, get the, you know, it's so earnest. Yeah, yeah. Like they're so genuine mm-hmm. in what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and that is worth it alone. Yeah, that alone, and. If you can get the vinyl album, mm-hmm. the album art is so 70s. Oh, yeah. Big time. It's like Sesame Street and Yellow Submarine <laughs> all together. <laughs> like, it's the Yellow Submarine artwork with the Sesame Street in there. It's so, yeah. It's great. Um, why don't you plug some things? Plug everything. Plug the world. Yes. Um, well, if you want to listen to my podcast, Comedy Film Nerds, or my documentary, Afghanistan. Or my new album, Graham Elwood's Palm Strike Dance Party. My tour dates, it is all available at GrahamElwood.com. When is this going to go up? Uh, this week. Probably. Okay. This I'll next be, week. I'll be headlining uh, Zanies in Chicago, February 6th through 10th, the downtown Zanies. Again, this is all at GrahamElwood.com. 
Um, and I will be in March uh, 13th at the Zanies in Nashville and then March 14th through 16th at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington. But again, if you go to GrahamElwood.com, you can get all this stuff. My podcast, my film, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. My awesome. YouTube channel, it's all there. Nobody else makes it that simple. Thank you very Boom. much. Boom. One no stop shop, I kid. I have to do so much research when I'm making these blog entries for this shit. It's, it's all right to cry. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Graham, thank you so much for doing hey, the thanks, show. Hey, thanks, dude. Anytime. This, this was awesome. Um, oh, and I will plug one thing. Uh, everybody, uh, if, you would, if you're in the L.A. area, don't travel for this. You're not going to. Uh, I do a show every month called The Drinking Game, and this month we're doing Top Gun. It's a stage reading <laughs> slash drinking game. The audience drinks. We drinks. We drinks. Yep. Apparently, I've already had a few. I, I love Top Gun. And uh, it should be it should be pretty amazing. That's We're right. Doing it on the sixteenth. Man, I am dangerous. <laughs> Is this February sixteenth. February sixteenth, Saturday. It's gonna be good shit. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so enjoy that. Uh, like that on Facebook. Uh, and if you don't already like this on Facebook, please do. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Um, everybody have a uh, wonderful time and have a good thing thank you (laughs) have a good thing enjoy your thing Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. The only thing that kept me afloat was only me coconut.